Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, I'm Joe Connolly. You're going to hear some observations about how work will change from David Lewis, the founder of Operations, Inc. HR Services in Connecticut. And I'm talking to David for two reasons. One is that I've known him for a long time, and many things that he has predicted to me over the years turned out a year or two later to be true and to come to pass. And secondly, he's a trusted source to a news person, and I'll tell you why. Because David also tells you when business is down. You know, if somebody never tells you anything that business is up or setting records, you start to become a little bit suspicious of what they're saying. Not the case with David. So, David Lewis, Operations, Inc., what do you think will be the most surprising change in workplaces this year? I think it will start, Joe, with when we get back into what feels like or looks like normal and we're allowed to safely go back into offices, who we will see in the office each day and who we won't. I think demographically you're going to see a large number of millennials, of those under the age of 30 or 35, mostly because they really don't have the right home office set up, and maybe even more importantly because they really are thriving and, and thrive on the social setting of a workplace. And then you're going to see a lot of older workers, probably mostly men, over the age of 50, who don't know any better, who know that this is what's normal to them, and who will return to the office in abundance. But the rest of us won't be going back to the office, in my, um, my opinion, um, nearly as much or at all, because everybody in between, everybody I've just not mentioned, is going to continue in some way, shape, or form to work remotely. And when you say don't know any better, do you mean just don't know any different among some of the older, especially men? This is just what they're programmed to do. Exactly. It's, you know, when you take a look at who continued to go to the office even after it became unsafe to do so, the overwhelming majority were men over the age of 50. And the idea for many of them to work from home was just so foreign and so uncomfortable that, you know, it just didn't feel right. They continued to be the, you know, 10 or 15 percent that continued to go to offices, for example, in New York City throughout the COVID-19 pandemic. Those people are just going to continue to do that. It's what is comfortable to them. It's what they know. And companies, 
will go along with this, right? The cat is out of the bag. They have no choice. There are some benefits, perhaps, in real estate. But do you think even more companies will start letting people work from home? I, you know, when you look at the bottom of a job posting um, for a company who's advertising to hire, and you consider that a marketing exercise in many respects, you standardly see the benefits, the perks of that job listed there. And there are always these standard things that we take for granted, but companies still list them anyway. They tell people that they get vacation, that they get um, benefits, that they get um, some type of um, flexible work environment in some fashion. Well, now you're going to see remote work as a standard. And if you're a company that doesn't offer that, then you're not going to be as competitively advantaged as the next guy. If you want to attract and retain talent after COVID-19, you are going to have to offer remote working, either as something that somebody exclusively does or at a minimum something that somebody part-time um, is able to do on a part-time basis during the course of their employment. How much job changing have you seen, David, over the last 10 months? So the job changing activity is far lower than you normally would see. And, that, and I don't think that that's because there have been fewer jobs out there. In fact, the, the number of open positions has actually been growing. Um, but, but individuals are really reluctant to change a job in this climate because you just can't get a sense or a feel for the organization that you are considering joining. How are you supposed to do that when your entire interaction is through you know, a computer screen, is through a camera. Um, you, you're not getting a sense of the culture. You're not getting a sense of the team. And it's never become more clear than since COVID hit how valuable and how critical it is to be able to actually walk into a prospective employer's office and the experience that you have walking through that. Everything from what the reception area looks like to how the people are dressed to what the vibe is that you get from the energy level of those employees, that does not translate the same way in a remote um, type of recruiting exercise. Most um, individuals who are looking at their job search are considering right now this to be a period where they take a pause and they wait until things normalize because there's two truths here. One, I can't get a good sense of what the company really is like to work for, from doing so by sitting in my house through a camera, and two, what they're telling me is what it was like to work there, but not necessarily what it is going to be like to work there, because every single company is going to be going through some type of significant cultural shift to adapt to the new normal once COVID is in the rearview mirror. Isn't that interesting? Are a lot of companies willing to hire if they could get people to come? So the hiring area is, um, is fascinating right now. There is absolutely a significant amount of activity with companies looking to recruit. They're just not finding the same talent um, pool out there for them to tap. And consider the first quarter of every year tends to be the M quarter where you see the highest number of quits, of voluntary resignations. And the reason for that is because People are unhappy with the increase that they received. They didn't get the promotion they were hoping for. Or they've been planning to leave for a while, but that bonus that they are, um, have earned doesn't get paid until that first quarter, and they don't want to run the risk that they're not going to get that money. 
I don't think you're going to see that level of activity this year because I think, again, people are going to be reticent to change jobs in this climate. So companies are trying to hire, but, but now the hiring um, uh, approach has changed. Now suddenly I'm no longer myopically focused on people within a commutable distance to my office. I can now consider people in other um, time zones even and in other markets that I don't have an office in because I'm so used to as an employer having people work remotely that for those businesses who have taken the next step, the next strategic step, they're realizing, well, wait a second, if I don't mind that my employee who used to come to work every day now lives in Vermont, why shouldn't I go ahead and look for more people in Vermont if that talent exists there? And that's where companies now are starting to strategically plan in 2021. Hiring in markets that I've never hired in before, in part because those people may be more abundant, I may be able to find more talent in those other places, and they actually also may cost me less because the cost of living in those markets and the salary benchmark for those positions is lower, say, in a market like Vermont than it is in finding somebody in Metro New York City. We're talking with David Lewis, the founder of Operations, Inc., HR Services, based in Connecticut. One other question on the delayed hiring. Will that be an opportunity for people who want to change jobs for more pay to then make that move that many of them did not want to make when they couldn't get to know a company in person? Yeah, I I think that once you see um, the vaccine distribution lead to offices feeling um, that it's time to safely reopen and resume something similar to what we used to do prior to COVID, I think you're going to see a significant amount of hiring activity and some really interesting opportunities for people because now suddenly you're going to be able to distinguish yourself if you so choose as a candidate that is willing to be an in-office hire. We're going to start talking about that as a term now because there's going to be this demand now that was something we took for granted before. Of course your job is, is in the office. Well, now those people are going to stand out just like people who were asking to work remotely stood out before COVID. So I think that the, you know, there's going to be a tectonic shift to how businesses think about hiring, and there's going to be a significant shift as well to how candidates think about their future employers. So now an attribute will be that you're willing to work at the office. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, oh, my. And, and, and listen, I mean, there's one other you know, really significant challenge that we're, we're trying to wrap our head around and, and work with clients on these days, and that's the idea that you have a six-person team, let's say, that pre-COVID, those six people came to work every day. But now post-COVID, when everything gets back to a safe point where you can bring people back into the office, three of them are at the office, and three of them are working exclusively remotely. Well, how do you maintain the level of collaboration and communication amongst all the people that are in that department? But companies say they have, right? Big companies say they have done that. They, they have because everybody's been remote, but now half and half is a, is a slightly different dynamic. We're talking with clients, for example, who let's say you have that six-person pod of cubicles and you used to have six people in them. Now imagine if one of those cubicles has a 75-inch flat panel TV with a camera on top of it and the images of the three employees who are working remotely on that screen. 
in addition to the three people that are coming to work every day so that you can essentially simulate what used to happen from a collaborative perspective with all of them sitting in the same pod. And maybe that camera is on that person all the time during the course of their workday versus having to you know, manually um, exercise the idea of putting a, uh, putting a video call in place. You, you're going to have this dynamic that you're going to have to figure out. And you know, while I think companies will need less space in the, um, in the future because of so many people working remotely, we're going to be dealing with these issues about how to deal with these mixed groups, about picking the day or days during the week or the month where those people who work sometimes at home and sometimes in the office are all in the office. We're going to have those concerted exercises to make sure that those are the days we do meetings or those are the days we do heavy collaboration. These are all new concepts that every business is going to have to wrestle with. Who is willing to and able to have a hybrid arrangement of in-office and remote workers. So are you saying that even though some may want to be at the office and some may want to be at home, there may be jealousies or frictions build up over there, between the two groups? There have always been this issue that, um, that predates COVID-19 where remote workers were envied by those people who came to the office. Um, you know, feeling like they were being given um, an added um, level of flexibility and benefit that others, you know, also wanted to have. And in some cases, it's not possible to have your receptionist or your IT person easily work remotely, for example. Um, how does that ultimately, you know, sort of play out? We've been forced to have to come up with workarounds that I think will, will ease that a bit. But I think now, you know, you're also dealing with the fact that managers always struggled um, since I've been involved with in, in overseeing and helping companies with remote work for over 20 years, managers don't, you know, trust these remote workers, or at least they didn't before COVID. They always thought that the the person wasn't immediately answering their phone or responding to the instant message they just sent them. They must be watching soap operas or doing their laundry or cooking dinner or playing with their kids versus actually being a diligent, productive employee. You know, th- that that level of distrust, I think, has, has changed and has eased significantly. But again, managers need to understand how to manage those people. And culturally, you need to be able to get everybody on the same page, and you need to figure out the most productive way to get your in-office employees to not resent those um, remote workers. And listen, for, based on what I'm seeing here, the people who are going to be in the office are the ones that are going to want to be there. Um, that wasn't the case before. There were a lot of people who came to the office before COVID who really would have, if given the opportunity, worked remotely. Now I don't think that's going to be the case, so I'm not as concerned about that resentment factor. Do you think that most work-from-home employees will work from home just some days as opposed to uh, full-time and be in a couple of days a week? It's going to depend on the nature of the role going to depend on how long their commute is. It's going to depend on um, what they've experienced in terms of work-life balance to this point and whether they've um, figured out that being at home as much as they have been um, after initial, the initial shock of it and adjustment uh, is something that suits them better. I think you know, there, there was a fascinating article in the Wall Street Journal um, in the early fall interviewing CEOs and C-level executives from some very high-profile firms 
who were admitting at this point, um, very, very, in a very raw fashion, that they now had an opportunity to eat dinner with their families and put their kids on the bus every morning and suddenly discovered how much they were missing from not being able to be as engaged at home. And those individuals are a lot of the people I'm thinking about who, regardless of the level of position they hold, are they really prepared to leave their families behind and go back to the way things used to be? And I think that's a big, big factor here. That is going to drive a lot of turnover in companies because those individuals who are told, I'm sorry, but your job needs to be done here in the office, those are people who, in seeking a completely different level of work-life balance than they've ever sought before, are going to make those changes to find that balance. I think the other thing you got to look at, which is really fascinating, especially in the New York metro market, is how many people who are within a certain salary demographic um, are living far away because they want a, a nice house, they want a lawn, they want a better quality of life. And so they've been willing to commute two hours each way by train. And they're looking at this and saying, why in the world would I come have four hours a day, 20 hours a week, tied up to this commute when I could be just as productive from home because I've proven I've been just as productive from home. So I think a lot of factors are going to go into you know, whether or not people will really return to the office. Um, and it's not just going to be about what the employer really feels is best. It's going to be a lot about the you know, throwaway term we used before but has now um, been reinvigorated and redefined of work-life balance. I wonder if well, all age groups, but especially mid-career and senior employees, will start to notice that they are not making new contacts anymore. We've gone along, many of us, working remotely with the people we've known for a long time, but we're not meeting new, interesting, smart people like we were. Yeah, I, I think that this is going to now start breaking down into the nature of the career you have and the type of role that you have. Um, I, I've talked with a number of people who run um, large sales organizations as well as those who are in sales, and they're horrified at the concept that this is going to result in them not having the ability to um, meet as many of their clients and their prospects face-to-face -face as they used to before and similarly interact with people at business events and such because of how much remote is going to be um, part of our sort of approach and our strategy. It's interesting, I was talking to somebody who's in sales who you know, said, well, I'm going to get right back on the road and go back and talk, meet my clients and meet my prospects as soon as I'm, I'm able to safely do so through travel. And the question I posed to him was, well, what if they're working from home and are not coming to the office with any regularity? They're not going to have you come to their house. Where are you going to go? You know, and, and more importantly, remember, your, your clients and your prospects are now used to meeting their vendors, uh, meeting their partners through this video tools, that, the video tools that we've been using since COVID. What did not he say? And, and, you know, he, he looked and he said, well, I just I can't fathom the idea that these people are not going to want to return to the face-to-face -face meeting. And you know what? I think he's wrong. Um, I think you're going to see. I think you're going to see organizations as well because of how long it will take before we get back to normal. Mm. Look at how much money companies have saved as a result of not having to pay 
for all of the travel that um, it used to be um, the norm to have your salespeople out on the road. You know, you're going to see organizations that are going to try and analyze, can we continue to sell at the same rate and be as successful without having to be um, face-to-face with people? Well, that's one I hadn't thought of. You may want to go back on the road, but people may not want to see you. Or may not be where, you, where right. it's easy to be seen. Right. I mean, that's, that's where I, I think it's, you know, you're, you go out and you tell, tell a prospect, I'm coming out, I'd like to come out and meet with you. You, you are likely to hear, um, certainly within the first six months to a year after COVID, you are likely to hear more of those responses be, there's no real reason for you to come out and meet with us because there's five people we'd like to include, and four of them work remotely now, or four of them work um, in places outside of our, of our um, office area. So there's no real place to come. We would prefer to do so, and we find it convenient to do so. Through, through some type of video conferencing exercise. Um, and, you know, that, that cuts into what, you know, what the sales cycle is about. That, that, that is going to frustrate a lot of individuals who feel, well, wait a second, you're missing the point here. Yes, that hour-long meeting is very critical, but so is the two-hour-long dinner or the two-hour lunch. How is that going to happen? Um, that helps me seal the deal. If I don't have that opportunity to be able to do that, I'm not necessarily closing as many sales. Right. That's yeah. what I was just going to ask you, because you're a business owner. Uh, uh, you've built a large business. I assume, tell me if I'm wrong, that you are able to sell more services and more premium services to clients who you meet over lunch or dinner than you do over the phone or a video link. I, I, I think that... So I, I do think that's true, Joe, and I think if we were talking in January of 2020, absolutely that would have been the answer. It probably wouldn't have even been a question of them that you would have asked right. me because it's a given as far as business is concerned. I'm not, um, I am not as confident anymore that those types of opportunities are going to be as available to business owners going forward, um, and I think that we're going to have to rethink and some level of, of, do some level of reinventing on our approach towards where, you know, we extend the sales conversation and the account management conversation, where we're going to have opportunities beyond just the hour-long meeting that we would have in an office, but in this case we have on a video level. Are we going to be given that opportunity by um, existing clients and by prospective accounts? So sales uh, could so, sure. so sales could suffer for a while till this is worked out. Sales could suffer for a while, um, or, you know, again, for organizations that have figured out um, how to do this now um, under these conditions, maybe they choose to lock this in. I, I think a lot of it, candidly, is also going to be tied to the age of sales leadership and the, and the ages of those individuals who drive decisions at the sea level. I think the older school folks, people who are um, over a certain age, are going to have a much, much more difficult time grasping the concept of completely and radically changing how they would look at it, the approach towards sales and account management, versus those who are a bit younger and who are realizing, wait a second, this is a huge opportunity for us. We could actually add double-digit percentage points to our bottom line by eliminating all of these added expenses that used to be tied to the sales cycle but no longer need to be 
because our clients don't really want to do these things and are asking us to not do them and really aren't available to do them anymore. So you but follow the customer. Still, yeah. Yeah, but are still but are still buying from us at the same level um, you know, this year as they were, you know, when we were when we were doing all those things before. That's David Lewis, founder of Operations Inc., a fast growing, now mid sized HR services company in Connecticut. And David Lewis, you are one of the relatively few people who really make HR interesting and understandable. <laughs> so thank you. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.